if we just stop right now and go home, we had a great social gathering, you guys. We had a great social gathering. But I'm trying to get you into the presence of God, and I feel like there's just something there right in front of you. I don't know if it's something that you've been dealing with throughout the week. Maybe you had a tough week, and I get that. Maybe you had some bad news dropped on you right before you got here tonight. But I'm telling you right now, you're standing in the presence of the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Why don't you stop worrying about somebody else and lift up your hands? God, I need you to breathe on me right now. That's right. Come on. Come on. I'm just encouraging you in the Lord right now. Don't do it for me. Do it for the Lord right now. Jesus, you're mighty. Jesus, you're awesome. Jesus, you're great. You are greatly to be praised. Come on, lift up your voice. Don't leave it up to your neighbor to give God some praise. Give God your praise right now. Hallelujah. 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 I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You guys can go back to your seats at this time. I so appreciate the presence of the Lord. One more time, give it up for the Lord that is in this place. Hallelujah. While you're in the clapping mood, give it up for the musicians and the singers here at Calvary. I'm so thankful that we have such great worship leaders, worship teams, and singers and praisers. Hallelujah. Amen. I am just so happy. Let me just say this, you guys. I'm just so happy to look out and see people. I haven't seen you guys literally in over a year. I Well, yeah, I think so, over a year. And that's amazing because I don't like that. I am a very social person. I like to meet and greet and get with everybody. So it, it really physically hurts people like me to not be able to see you guys. So I'm so thankful. One more time, give it up that we are able to have this meeting today. Hallelujah. Bishop McKenna has already done it, but I want to say a big thank you to all of our youth workers, youth pastors. Youth, you guys, give it up for your youth leaders right now. Also, all of the pastors of Section 6, I thank you so much for allowing your group to come here tonight and hear of the Word of God. I want to give honor to my pastor and my bishop, Pastor McGee and Bishop Henson, just for being such wonderful people in my life. They have really trained me up. And you guys, you don't know it until you reach a level where you have to stand up and talk in front of people that you th are so thankful for all the training that your pastors and your leaders are putting into you right now. You think about stuff like, oh man, that's just boring. You don't need to tell me that. I already know that. You guys know everything, by the way. I've already known this. I was you at one time. I knew everything before. And then I grew up. And then I realized I didn't know everything. So I'm so thankful for my pastors teaching me and training me up. And then while I'm in that, I want to say thank you to Pastor McKenna sitting back there. He tries to hide. But give it up for Pastor McKenna sitting in the back there. Opening up your beautiful building. And our wonderful presbyter. Give it up for Bishop McKenna, you guys. Hallelujah. Amen. 
And I got some kids here tonight, so I'm going to give them a shout out. Austin. Hey, man. Tell everybody hi. Sissy. Without crying, say something. Say hi. She's done. She's done, guys. All right. So thankful to have my family here. They're not always able to come out, but we were able to bring them out tonight. And I'm just so thankful to have them and my wife. Give it up for my wife. Man. When the Bible says something about that, about finding a good thing, you guys, when you're looking for a wife, it's a good thing because we are messed up without a lady in our life probably. I'm just telling you right now. At least I am. I'm speaking from my experience. So I'm so thankful just to be here. And um, I just got to tell you guys something. When I come here at any event, anytime I get an opportunity to speak, I have two things that I try to accomplish every time. I'm here to encourage you and let you know that God wants to use you the way that you are right now where you are. Amen? Amen? I'm here to encourage you, okay? And then I'm here to give you hope that when, not if, but when you mess this all up, when you mess up your life a little bit, because I guarantee you, if you live more than one day, you're going to make a mistake. And it's going to be okay. I'm, I'm here to tell your future self right now, you're going to make a mistake. And guess what? God still loves you. God can still use you. God can still pick you up and take you right where you were. He can reestablish you. So in the future, when you hear this message again playing in your head after you messed up, it might just been a little mess up. Just remember, Brother Anthony told me, that God can still use me, so I'm just here to let you know that and remember that. Just carry that away. But the message is true. The passion is real. The only problem is I have all this passion. I have all this stuff, but I'm here. I have to convince you guys of that. I have to convince you that I am speaking to you. You, I'm looking you in the right, right in the eye. Yeah, you, 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 everybody. I'm speaking to you tonight, Okay. I'm not talking to the person in the back behind you, the one that's been sinning all week long, and you know who they are, and the guy sitting in front of you, they, you know everything about them. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking to you, okay? Everybody, listen up. When you hear the Word of God, you don't have to shun it off and say that that's for somebody else. I want you to know that the Word of God is for you. It might not be for you today, but it's going to be for you eventually because you need to hear everything that the Word has to say. So everybody say, this is for me. All right. So now that you know that. So before I say anything else, let's pray that God would open our understanding of His Word and increase our faith. You guys, if I could just get you to do one thing, I want you to leave with more faith than you came with tonight. I want you to leave knowing that God is just that much more able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever imagine. So right where you're sitting, why don't you pray that God would just bless the service tonight and bless the word in Jesus' name. Lord God, I come before you humbly, Lord God. I don't have a thing, Lord Jesus, of myself. I rely and I depend upon you and your word, Lord God. I pray 
pray right now that you, Lord Jesus, would speak through me. Speak through me, Lord God. Speak to these young people. Let them hear something, Lord God, that can help them in their life, Lord Jesus. Something practical. Something that can help them, Lord Jesus, in their walk with you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, that we would leave here, Lord God, with a better understanding of your grace and your mercy and your love in our life. In Jesus' mighty name. And you can all say amen. All right, you may be seated. <laughs> all right. The title of my message, and I don't normally do this. I normally go through a whole spill, get halfway through my sermon, and then give my title. But tonight, I'm going to do it a little different just because we haven't done this in a while. I need to try something new. And so this is my title for tonight. It won't make a sense to you at all. But it says, good deal, bad deal. All right? Good deal, bad deal. I was going to put like a verses in there, but really, what it comes down to, you'll understand in just a little bit. Is it a good deal or is it a bad deal? Well, with some of you approaching the age of driving, who's close to driving right now? Who does not have their license? It's okay. It's okay. We were all there at one point. In fact, I drove on a permit for the first seven years of my life, you know. My mom just said, you got a permit? Let's go. Gave me the keys. We drove wherever I wanted to drive or wherever she wanted us to go. But some of you guys are at that age where you're able to drive now or you're getting ready to drive. And yes, I'm going to say this one. If one of the pastors don't agree with it, then you can uh, get more correction from them. But some of you guys are at the point of dating. You're trying to look for that special some somebody up in the here, all right? I see you looking around. Don't look too hard, guys. Don't look too hard, all right? Straightforward. Focus. All right. You're to that point, though, where you're getting ready to start driving, getting ready to start dating. And yes, most importantly, especially if you're thinking about getting a date, getting a job. Who has a job in this room right now? Man, I'm preaching to the right group. All right. So I got some practical advice for you. Here it is. Your time is valuable. Amen? How many of you guys, if I were to say, hey, I'll pay you a dollar to go shovel that whole pile of snow outside right now? Just a dollar. Come on, be obedient. How many of you guys would honestly think about doing it for a dollar? You are insane in the membrane, y'all. I would not, uh-uh, you crazy. I love Bishop McKinnis, and I'll do whatever he says to do, but I'm going to question his sanity if he said, I'll give you a dollar to go do that. I'm going to think it's a bet, so I'm going to go ahead and do it because I think he's going to give me something else later on, honestly, because it's got to be a punk or something. It's got to be some kind of joke. So I'm going to go out there out of obedience. But I know, and you should know, your time is valuable. So let me say this. Don't waste it. Take every opportunity to learn something, all right? Don't act like you know it all already. So here's what my point is. If you guys are going to get a job out there, don't act like you need to come in being vice president of the corporation or nothing like that, fresh out of high school, got your GED or whatever it is. You need to start somewhere, okay? And if that means starting off with $5 an hour, you start off at $5 an hour and work your way up. If you start off at $15 an hour, praise the Lord. But guess what? That doesn't happen all the time. I'm just here to tell you right now. That just takes time to build up stuff like that, okay? So your time is valuable. Here's something else about time. 
everybody, me, Brother McKennis, all of us that do life, that, that adult, if I can say it like that, we pay hundreds, if not thousands of dollars throughout our lifetime to do what? Take time off. We work hours and hours and hours and hours so that we can have a few minutes of time off, you guys. Time is very valuable. You want to know why? Because it's constant and it doesn't stop. Our time here on earth will never stop once it starts. You can't have that second right there. It's gone. And then that one, it's gone. And then that one, it's gone. It's done. I just wasted literally 20 seconds of your life just talking about missing these last couple 15, 18, 19, 20 seconds. You see? It's gone. What a waste of time. I know what you're saying. So your time is valuable. Quit wasting it, okay? In saying all of that, if you find a good deal, don't wait until that point to start praying about it. I'm going somewhere. Give me a second, you guys. Pray about it in advance, okay? Start praying right now. God, I want to be prepared for if a situation were to come up, I want to be in the right place at the right time and that if it were to happen, I'm there and I'm ready to go. I will tell you this right now. I used to be a salesperson. I told you this probably before in the past. I used to be a salesperson, used to sell cars. And I will tell you one of my favorite lines, man. Somebody comes in, they find the deal. They've been looking. They said, I've been looking everywhere for this car. You don't even understand. I drove all the way up north. I found it down south. It was sold already. And this place had it. Here I am to get it. And then I'm like, okay, here's the paperwork. Let's do this. I'm going to pray about it. I'm like, you ain't prayed about it already? You've been driving everywhere? No, I want to tell you, and I, I agree with that. We need to pray about situations. Don't rush into something. That's the worst thing you can do. But at the same time, pray before you start doing stuff. Talk to your pastor before you start making a major decision in your life. <laughs> Y'all, don't be calling Pastor McKennis at 3 a.m. in the morning saying, hey, I'm, I just need your advice. I'm about to sign on this house, and, and uh, this guy's got the paperwork or whatnot. And he's like, okay, well, I'll pray about it, and I'll give you back some info. Where's it at? Blah, blah, blah. No, I need to know right now. I need to know. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. You go back to bed. No, seriously, don't wait till the last second to start doing it. Start asking in advance, you guys. This will bless you. I'm trying to give you just practical advice. If somebody offers, here we go though, this is it. If somebody offers you $20 right now, $20, mow my front lawn, I'll offer you my mower, the gas, I'll give you refreshments, and it's only a 10 by 10 lot. $20 right now. Who would take that offer? All day long. If you don't want to do it, you better call me. $20. Man, that's a good deal. Take that deal. I don't even have to pray about that one, you guys. That one is just ready to go. All right, you got the mower. Let's do this. That's a good deal. For instance, I'll tell you a good deal. My first car, guess how much I paid for my first car? $800? Close. I paid $1 at the Secretary of State because by law you have to pay something 
to get it in your name. So Brother Bauer at my church when I was younger, he came and he told my dad, I have a car I'd like to bless your son with. And I was so thankful, you guys. And guess what? This thing, it was beautiful. It was a 1985 Chevrolet Celebrity. I felt like a celebrity in that car. That paint was so chipped off, you guys, it was not even funny. I called it Eileen because, you know, it just had something bad with the shocks. So it just would be like that. Driving down the street, you hit, a, you hit the wrong bump, you know you hit something. You might have lost something back there too. But I paid a dollar for that. Brother Bauer blessed me with that car. And you can argue all you want about maybe, just maybe, that car was a bad investment. But I'll tell you right now. I didn't have to put too much maintenance in it, but even when I did, I look at the cost of buying a brand new car or buying a nicer used car perhaps or whatnot, and that car still was a great deal, right? Everybody say good deal. All right. However, please beware of bad deals. Let me tell you about my second car. After Eileen and I started having some disagreements in our relationship, I decided to upgrade to a new car. I drove down one of my favorite driving areas on my way to work when I was a young person, and down Door Highway. And if anybody know you know anybody works over there at RPM Auto Sales, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to hurt you. You know, hope business is good. But I met the nicest dressed guy I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't understand a word. I didn't know if he was speaking in English because he spoke so fast, you guys. He said, how are you doing, sir? You want me to you know, come on, I'm driving this car right here. I was like, I have the Holy Ghost too, you guys. You know, I'm ready to go. I was like, yes, that's right. Speak it, brother. But he spoke so fast, and I was just so enthralled with getting a new car. The thought of having a new car getting a great deal, he told me. Great deal. Not just a good deal, a great deal. So here's the paperwork. Here's your pen. Wait, I'm not even 18 yet. I need a co-signer. Have no credit, guys. That was my saving grace. Wrong. My daddy came right up there. No questions asked. He signed for me and got one himself because that dude was so quick at talking, so good. I'll tell you what. He was my inspiration later on for getting into sales. I was like, that dude was amazing. I didn't even know I wanted a car. My daddy didn't even need a car, and he left with a car. That dude is bad. He's a bad man. But I tell you right now, he really did do something bad for us that day because my vehicle, we paid it off by the grace of God the day it broke down, and we paid it off way way early. Me and my new wife at the time, we were about to get married, I believe, or already did. And we went, and it was broke. It was sitting in the driveway at Sister Brown's house where I grew up, and it can't move no more. And <laughs> I called them up. I said, I still owe $4,000 on this thing or whatever it was. I have this much. Can I pay it off? And they said, sure. That's how you know you got a bad deal, you guys when they'll just take whatever to end the agreement and get you out of there, they already got it. So I paid it, I went up there, and then I sold the car 
for like $200 for scrap. Terrible, terrible deal. Bad deal. Everybody say bad deal. All right. So if we have all these situations in our life, and I'm sure I could talk to a lot of you guys about some great deals that you might have made. You might have bought something from somebody who didn't know what they had, and you got a great deal. And then you can tell me about a really bad deal, like where you sold something maybe, and then come to find out it was worth a million dollars for this painting or for this thing or that or whatever. So we can talk about that all day long. But if we look in the Word of God, we find a lot of those same good deals and bad deals. Amen? Amen. So let's take into one of the accounts that I want to talk about a bad deal. And this is found in Genesis chapter 25, verse 29 through 34. And they're going to put it right up there for us. And it says, And Jacob sod pottage and esau came from that field and he was faint all right moving on to number 30 and esau said to jacob feed me i pray thee i can just hear him whining feed me with the same red pottage for i am faint therefore his name was called edom and jacob said sell me this day thy birthright all right, moving on. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point of to die, and what profit shall this birthright do me? Verse 33 says, And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he sware unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. 34, Then Jacob gave Esau bread, and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. You guys, that was a bad deal. I don't know if you knew it. I'm going to read it in the easy-to-read version because there's a lot of these and thuses in that one, and I want to help you understand just a little clearer. One day Esau came back from hunting. He was tired and weak from hunger. Jacob was boiling a pot of beans. Beans cost nothing, you guys. You can buy a ton of them, put them in an Instapot, have a bunch of beans for like a week, all right, for like a dollar, okay? So just keep that in mind. Beans. So Esau said to Jacob, I am weak with hunger. Let me have some of that red soup. That is why people call him red, is by the way. But Jacob said, you must sell me your rights as the firstborn son. Esau said, I'm almost dead with hunger, so what good are these rights to me now? But Jacob said, first promise me that you will give them to me. So Esau made an oath to him and sold his rights as the firstborn to Jacob. Then Jacob said, gave Esau bread and lentil soup. Esau ate the food, had something to drink, and then left. So Esau showed that he did not care about his rights as the firstborn son. That is a terrible deal. So picture this with me, okay? I have this check here. This is a real check, by the way. It's blank. If I were to hand this to you right now, it's meaningless, by the way, because it has no signature on it. It has absolutely no value on that. But this signifies something very specific. This is the birthright that everything that I own, 
everything in my portfolio, anything in the bank account, anything that I have, all my animals, all of my stuff, which accumulates and grows every single day, you guys. Everything, millions, maybe millions upon millions of dollars worth of stuff this represents. I'm going to give this to you. The only catch is you can't cash it till I die, okay? Esau has this check, literally, figuratively, however you want to look at it. He has this thing. He's so hungry. I have soup in front of me. I have beans in front of me right now. Let me try to sell you some beans real quick. They're hot, you guys. These are the best beans in the world. Oh, my goodness. There's no meat in it, but could you imagine if there was some meat in these beans? Oh, my word. You guys like bacon? It's not in there, but if you did, there'd be bacon in this beans right here, and oh, my, it would taste so good with some bread, you guys. Oh, my goodness. Who would like to have that? Give me the million-dollar check that you have in your pocket and I'll give you the beans. I'm going to die if I don't get them beans, you guys. After all that good salesmanship, you know what? I'll, get, I'll take that deal. Here, take that. I'll eat the beans. Bad deal, you guys. And we look at Esau, and we think about him. What a dummy. What a complete and utter dummy, guys. He had so much available to him he just had to wait a little while. He became impatient. He became unsure, really, if it was worth waiting so long to get what came at the very end. The reason why Esau didn't see any value in his birthright, you guys, was because he didn't pay a thing for it. Okay? He was born into this. It was by sheer accident, in fact, because there was two of them inside of that belly, and he just decided to come out first. He didn't pay a thing for it. I want to ask you a sincere question by a show of hands, and I'm scared to do this, honestly, but I still want to. I don't normally do this. Who grew up in church with parents in church also? There's a lot of us in here. There is a lot of us in here that grew up. I personally did. Later on, they came in, though. But I still claim that they grew up in church or that I grew up in church with them. But I am here to tell you guys something. There is something in us that we have to be aware of. That when we have been in the church for so long and our parents have paved the way and our grandparents have paved the way with this truth and this gospel, they have preached blood, sweat, and tears for it, you guys. They have laid down a strong foundation for us and we have just been born into this and we sit down on the pew and we think we got it made and that we don't have to do a thing except show up now because everything has been handed to us and we have lost the value of this birthright you guys we have lost it in our heart and in our mind I'm not preaching to everybody but I want you to know we need to look at this and ask God please rebaptize me with a fresh understanding of your grace and your mercy God and your love and your kindness my Lord have mercy on me there has been so many times that I just think and I sit back and I wonder, my word, I feel like just such a hypocrite sometimes. 
that I have been given. Literally, the kingdom is at my fingertips, you guys. Everything that I would ever ask for is right here in my hand. And when I go home at night, it stays right there for one, two, three nights in a row, four nights in a row. I've gone, sad to say, yes, I have gone a full week before in my life without picking up that word and reading it. And it shows everything that I will get at the end if I will just endure until the end. I want to tell you guys something. We don't have time to waste with our birthright right now. We don't have enough time to set this town and just think that we can just be whoever we want to be in the world. No. God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He adopted you. He brought you into this church, all right? Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We need to be careful to not take this heritage we've been handed for granted. Amen? Like the check with a priceless future, but instant gratification would have us traded in for a quick fix right now. In Jesus' name. This is not, hear me now, this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. Living for God has absolutely nothing to do with immediate gratification. There is plenty of that in the world, and believe me, you can look for it, and it won't take you that long. In fact, you can walk down the street right now. You can find a shady person that would be willing to go into an alcohol place and get you something right now for instant gratification. And I'm not here to tell you that it's the thing to do. What I'm here to say is that you could do that. And this world would say, it's okay to experiment. It's okay to get into that just a little bit. You're young. You can still have time to grow. I'm here to tell you, you can grow up with a testimony saying, God kept me from all the alcohol. God kept me from any drugs in my system. God kept me from sleeping around before I was married. God kept me from having a baby before I was married. You guys, God is trying to speak to a generation right now and let you know that you can live for God. You can Take this and live this until we go home. <laughs> Hallelujah. There is absolutely nothing in this world that is worth giving up my birthright for. Amen. This world is not my home. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to ask the musicians to come up at this time because I feel like I need to get moving. I want you guys to have some hope, remember, and some encouragement, so I'm calling them up right now. We're going to read in, chapter, in Luke chapter 22, 1 through 6, and I'm going to go ahead and read it right out of the King James there. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover, and the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him. For they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and, listen to it, covenanted to give him money. Let me read it out of this one. They promised 
to give Judas money for doing this. And verse 6 says, And he promised and saw opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. He waited for the best time to hand him over to them. He wanted to do it when no one was around to see it. We later read in the Word of God that it was 30 pieces of silver. That's it. 30 pieces of silver was about five weeks pay for a soldier, for, for instance, or a man. And there's a lot more that we could talk about with that 30 pieces of silver, the significance of that 30 pieces of silver. But I don't have time to explain any of that right now. But here's what I do have time to tell you. That was a terrible deal. A terrible deal. He literally walked with the king of glory. He saw eyes pop open. He saw limbs grow back. He saw the cripple get up and dance and run and shout. He saw the mute lift up their voice and praise God. He saw demons flee from people that had been dealing with them their entire life. He saw that with his own eyes and he still said, how can I come ahead financially in this situation? There was a situation earlier in the Word of God, you can read it, where there was a lady that brought a very expensive ointment to anoint Jesus in the presence of everybody. And he had just been who he was. said, man, she could have sold that, given it to the poor. What a shame. What a waste. But he knew that he carried the purse. He had the money. It could have been given to him, and he would have pocketed it himself. Here's the thing. That lady, Mary, knew what she was doing. She knew the price that she was paying for it. That was a good deal for her. She had some worship, some thanksgiving to give back for God because of all the nasty stuff that God delivered her from. Now I have an opportunity to give something back to him. You're telling me I have an opportunity to give something to him after all that he gave to me? I don't care what it cost me. This thing cost me so much money, you guys, but I'm willing to pour this out on him. Why? Because he did so much for me. I just want to give a little bit back. I just want to give something back to him. Oh. If I could talk to Judas just for a moment, I would tell him, you messed up, man. Listen, Jesus was the number one menace to the religious community of that day. And all he got was 30 pieces of silver for him. They've been trying to kill him or find reason to kill Jesus for a long time by this point. And 30 pieces of silver is the best deal that you could get? Man. He could have had a house. Just think about it. 
He could have had a house full of servants to wait on him night and day. He could have had a pantry full of food. Brother McKennis, we like to eat. Ma'am, if, if this was our understanding back then, we would have had it made. We would have gave up. It sounds scary and sad, but listen to me. He could have had so much more for Jesus. He could have bartered a lot harder for Jesus' life. He could have got anything that he wanted because they wanted Jesus so bad. They didn't have anything against him, though. So let me ask you this question to you guys. What would it take for you to sell Jesus to those people? We talk about Judas, we talk about Esau very strictly and say, man, they were dumb. They made poor choices. They made bad deals, terrible deals. What would you be willing to sell Jesus for, though? What price tag do you have on your walk with God? Think about that. You have everything in your hands right now, everything is given to you. You you raised your own hand. You've been born and raised into this truth, this amazing grace. And you have opportunity right now to give it all up for whatever price that you name. And believe me, if you have a price on your salvation, there is somebody willing to pay it. There is somebody sick in this world that is willing to pay the price that you have on your salvation. My God, have mercy. How much money would it take for you to give up Jesus? What car would it take for you to give up your walk with God? How big of a house would it have to be for you to turn away from this church? What girl would it take, guys? What guy would it take, girls? What position of power would it take for you to turn your back on this salvation? I'll go a little step further, and forgive me if this triggers you, but we need to be careful of the stuff that we buy into from this world's news and this world's media. We do not have to buy into the stuff of this world, you guys. We are not of this world. We believe that God came for everybody. God came to save whosoever will. I don't have to stand up for any political party. I don't have to stand up and get behind and shout for them. I have a king already that is above everybody, that is able to do everything. My God, have mercy, Jesus. What would you be considered a good enough deal for you to lay down your promise and walk away? Young person, I'm talking to you right now. I'm not expecting you guys to come up here at this altar, but if you want to start praying right now, you're welcome to do so. If you do feel like you need to come up to this altar, it is open at this time. There is absolutely nothing, I will tell you, nothing is worth giving up your walk with God tonight or ever. I know these accounts worked out for God's purpose in granting us salvation. I know that that happened. Because Judas did that, he went to the cross for me and you. 
because Esau gave up his birthright, Jacob was allowed to have it, and it followed the whole plan for God. I understand that. It was a pattern. But I'm here to tell you, you have a pattern set before you also. And your pattern does not have to end like theirs did. Your pattern and your purpose and your plan of salvation that God has paid so big a price for, he did a big deal. He did a great deal for you guys. He said, come to me, bring me your heaviness, bring me your burden, bring me all of your pain, bring me all of your pains and suffering, all of your hurts, all of your diseases, all of your sin. Give it to me and I will give you rest. I'll give you healing. I'll give you anything that your heart desires if you just call it in my name. You guys, we have a great deal in front of us right now. We have a great deal given to us right now. And there's nothing in this world worth giving it up for. Jesus' name. I don't know if you've heard this story before. It might be popular, it might not be, but I heard it when I was around your age or younger from a minister that came up and preached at our church. And he said that he preached his guts out to a congregation that just sat there, and by the grace of God, a couple came up and the God, and Lord started moving in the altar call and he went and he kneeled down and he prayed at his seat just bawling, God, I didn't reach him hard enough. God, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. God, there wasn't enough people giving themselves tonight. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, God. I didn't do enough to reach out. I didn't do enough to get them in your presence. God, I'm so sorry. And he looked up while he's praying and he saw an elder sitting there and he respected that elder so much and he just put his hand on his on the chair and he said elder tell me the difference between your generation and my generation i'm talking to my peers out here and they just don't seem to be grabbing a hold of it what did i do wrong maybe what what was the difference between your generation and our generation and the elder looked at him so softly in the eye and he said you see my generation fell in love with his presence your generation fell in love with his presence. Sounds like the same thing, but it means a totally big difference when you start understanding what he said. You see, he said, my generation had nothing. We grew up in depression time. We didn't have a thing to our name. We had one suit and we wore it and washed it and wore it and washed it and wore it and washed it. And if we didn't wash it, we were so embarrassed to come into church. I'm not putting anybody down for what you wear. You can wear whatever you want to wear in his presence. I'm thankful for that. But he said, we had nothing. We just fell in love with his presence. Just him. That's all we could have. We didn't have everything. We ate beans every night. We ate cornbread. We did all this. We did all that. We just had him. We didn't have anything else. We didn't have TV. We didn't have VCR. We didn't have radio. We didn't have anything to watch on TV. 
We didn't have anything going on. We didn't have entertainment. We couldn't do that. All we had was Jesus. Your generation, you have every blessing that has been poured out from your father and their father and their father. It's generational wealth. It's inheritance. It just keeps accumulating until the end. It just keeps growing. You guys, we have so much to be thankful. I am thankful for these screens. I'm thankful for these. I am thankful for this so I don't have to scream. I'm thankful for technology. I'm thankful for the blessings of God. I'm so thankful for our pastors that manage their money wisely and are able to do stuff like this. This is beautiful. I'm thankful. You guys, I can go right now not boasting. I can go to any McDonald's I want and buy anything on the menu. I am that baller right now. I am blessed, you guys. And I know a majority of you are blessed just like I am. We are blessed. But if we are not careful, we will depend on the blessings and the presence, the stuff, more than his presence, more than his anointing, more than his spirit, more than his, oh God. If I had to give up everything right now, you guys, believe me, there is absolutely nothing in this world that would hold me down. If I had to give up everything in my bank account to keep living for God, and it might come to that, I am willing to give it all up right now to live for him. Why? Because I came in with nothing, you guys. I'm going to leave with nothing, but blessed be the name of the Lord. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, his name is to be praised. God, we need you to move in this place right now, Lord Jesus. Right now, right where you are, begin to pray. God, if you need to repent, why don't you do that right now? God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the stuff that I put before you. I'm sorry for the things, Lord Jesus, that I've placed before you. Lord God, I'm sorry for looking at that stuff, Lord God. I'm sorry for living, Lord Jesus, like my, my future, my eternity didn't matter, Lord Jesus. I'm here to tell you right now, Lord Jesus, I'm turning around, Lord God. There's nothing, Lord Jesus, that's going to make me give up my walk with you. There's nothing, Lord Jesus, that's going to make me turn around right now, Lord God. You paid such a mighty price for me, Lord God, and I just want to tell you I'm so thankful. God, I'm so thankful. God, I'm so thankful. Baptize me, Lord God, with a fresh anointing of, of thankfulness, Lord God, for your spirit. I'm so thankful, Lord God.